Is this the day the Lord has made or what? I mean, I know he makes them all, but he really made today. Did he not really make today? How long have we been waiting for today? I got up and it was 50 degrees today. I haven't seen you all in sweaters in months. This is awesome. It really is. It's beautiful. Any day that we have the privilege of worshiping our great God is a beautiful day. But boy, am I grateful. Am I grateful for today? And am I grateful for you? And what a privilege God has given me to be a part of you. What a privilege God has given me to love you in his name. Because we are... We're family. You hear that? I mean, that was like the drum, but um bum We are not only are we family. Listen, at Orangewood, we really are. We're part of a family. But there's something so much more. We're God's family. We're God's family. And this unbelievable mystery of our great and loving God to make dysfunctional people like you and like me his family. I mean, is that not good news? And that's what we've been doing through the book of Ephesians. We spent a lot of time this year plowing through this book together that Paul has written, inspired by the Holy Spirit. And he's unpacking a mystery to us because really, it should be a profound mystery that God is calling us family. And it's all by the grace of God. When we sing His grace is enough, It is enough for you. It is enough for me. It is so true. It's all by the grace of God that our God took those who were dead in their trespasses and sins. Listen to this mystery. And by God's grace, the Father took those who were dead in their sins and he has made us alive in Christ. Because our Father doesn't have a dead family. He's got a living family, an active family. It's by the grace of God through the work of His Son, Jesus Christ, that not only has He made us alive, He's made us one. That's what Paul has been telling us about this mystery of God's grace, that he, He makes the dead alive, and He makes those who are separated, maybe Jew and Gentile, male and female, those who naturally don't like each other, Gator and Seminole. Can we still even use Seminole, by the way? Okay. He makes us all one in Christ. And again, we're not family because we're Orangewood. We're family by God's grace because we're Christians. And we've been made alive. And we've been made one. And listen, I got some really, really good news. Is Yes, we still struggle. And yes, there's still some dysfunction. But you ready for this family of God in Orangewood? In His sight, we're beautiful. We're beautiful. Why? Because of Christ's righteousness that robes us. Because of Christ's blood that cleanses us. A dysfunctional group of people like you and me, God can look at us as his bride and say, oh, I marvel at her beauty in Christ. That is who we are as family. Well, because we are God's family, there's certain family values we need to live up to. We need to reflect who He is. We need to represent His character because we are family. So, as we've been making our way through Ephesians, we'll see things like this the last several weeks. We need to be imitators of God. We need to be imitators of God. Why? Because we're His. 
Because we are dearly loved children. Listen to the grace in that, my friends. Listen to the grace in that. He doesn't call us to be imitators of God so we can become His family. Through the work of His Son and the everlasting love of the Father, we are His dearly beloved children. Therefore, imitate Him. God says this, that we need to walk as children of light. Why? So we can become children of light? So we can become love? No! Because we're His family. Because we are in Christ Jesus, children of light. That's grace. And everything that He calls us to to do now as God's family is a response. It's a response to a God who's rescued us through His Son. It's a response to a God who fills us with His Spirit. And a God who says, of all the things I created, I have put an everlasting special love on you. You, child of God, no matter how you feel this morning, I have put an everlasting, distinguishing love on you. You are mine. And now I want you to respond with family values that reflect me and tell my story and what grace is ours to be able to do just that. Remember, even last week, we talked about, the last three weeks, we talked about this marriage and the mystery of marriage. And listen, the mystery of marriage is really just a reflection of the mystery of the marriage we have with Him. Marriage is given to us so that God can tell His love story through us. If you are a parent or a child in this room, and I think there's a good chance I got everybody, if you're once was a child, <laughs> if you're a parent, God wants to tell his story through your life and through your family and through his family values. You see, that's what we're here for. We're to tell God's story through our lives. Why? Because we're his. So let's look at these family values together. We've made our way all the way to Ephesians chapter 6. We're in the home stretch, Orangewood. We're going to look at uh, verses 1 through 4 this morning. It'll tell us how we should have these family values. Next week, we'll be looking at how our new life in Christ affects our work environment. Uh, And then we'll talk about the full armor of God and we'll be wrapping up. But let's be mindful that God loves us. And because we're family, he's given us a family code to live by. It's filled with grace and mercy. It'll never lead us astray. There's no errors in this. And we have such privileged people to have God's word. And so to honor our great God, to honor our Father, to honor his word, will you join me? Let's stand together as we read Ephesians 6, 1 through 4. God's holy word says this to us this morning. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Let us pray. Father, if we're talking about your family, and we're talking about your family values, what is incredibly clear is that you have to speak. You're the one who has to communicate. So Father, come and speak through this broken horse vessel. 
Father, forgive my sins for their many, but God, may you and you alone be heard and be followed and be admired. God, give us ears to hear the voice of your Son, our Savior, Jesus. Spirit of the living God, shine your truth into our minds so we can comprehend what your family values are for us. Father, because you love us and because we are yours, would you lovingly put your hands around our hearts? And Father, the parts of our hearts that are stony and cold and unbelieving, would you lovingly massage and crush them and give us hearts that beat for you? Give us hearts that are filled with love for Jesus. And Father, would you empower our feet so that we can walk as your family We can walk in a manner worthy of being called yours, being called Christian, being called beloved children of God. Father, if we just listen and we walk out, we're not changed. God, we've wasted our time. So come and make us more like Jesus. Anything that I say that is true and contains the good news of Jesus, use those things to make us more like our Savior, your only begotten. The things that I say that are wrong or that are merely my opinion, may they fall away and be forgotten. We pray that you and you alone receive glory. We receive great joy and great challenge. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Hey, do you have a children's menu? That's usually like the first thing that Jake's family is going to say when we make our way into a restaurant. Do you have a uh, children's menu? Because right away, that will indicate, are they kid-friendly or not? I mean, have they thought about our children? Maybe adjusted their prices to uh, understand uh, the little mouths? Have they uh, adjusted their thinking, their portion, to really be kind of children-friendly? So the first thing we're going to ask is, do you have a children's menu? And I sure hope they do, because I could play connect the dots on the way of waiting for my meal, or or tic-tac-toe, or, 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 you know, fill in one of those stories, you know, you need an adjective, I I need a noun, Um, and it's kind of fun to have. But there's certain restaurants you know, well, they're too sophisticated. There's some restaurants in town, you're not going to walk in and say, do you have a children's menu? They'll say, well... Well, no, we, 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 we don't cater to that clientele. We are a sophisticated restaurant, probably not one that I go to very often. The great news about God's word is this, ready for this? It has a children's menu. It's got a children's menu. Do you know that this is God's holy and errant word? And do you know that this letter was written to a church at Ephesus to be read in that church and the churches throughout the world and continuing today? And do you know, did you hear how this passage started? It started off with a children's menu. I mean, our unbelievably God, who is going to give us his holy inerrant word, he's going to breathe into it. Guess what, children of God? Guess what, young people? He addresses you directly. He says, children. And I love that. I love that family feel. I love the reality that God is going to make it personal for his kids and for his young ones. And he's going to say, children, this is for you. 
If you want to follow along in your bulletin, you'll find an outline there. And the first thing we're going to see is this. God is going to be very specific because we are his children. He's going to be very specific about the role of children in the family of Christ. What is the role of children? First of all, we know they're incredibly important. He's addressing them directly. And we know that it's a covenant God. Listen, this should be so exciting for all of us who are parents. Our God loves us. And he loves our children. He has a message for them. And the first one is this. The role of children in the family of Christ is this. Obey your parents. How many young people like that one? Not too young, Dave. You can't raise your hand with that. But you love it as a parent, don't you? All right, I'm with you. Obey your parents. Now, as we've made our way through this passage, Ephesians 5.21 is going to tell us, as we are spirit-filled, that we are to be in subjection to one another. That we're to submit to one another in Christ Jesus. And Scripture is going to tell us very clearly that he wants to tell his story through our marriages, through our families. And therefore, it with the headship of Christ, a woman is to be in submission willfully, just saying, I'm going to honor Jesus the way I honor my husband. And although I know I'm equal, and although I know that God has made me a joint heir so that we could tell his story, I'm going to willingly have myself in submission, uh, subjection to the head of the home. Well, this word is much stronger. Jesus doesn't say to us in his word to children, hey, it'd be a good idea to put yourself in, in submitting to your parents. No, it's a stronger word. It says obey. Obey. Children, you are to obey your parents. Both mom and father are included here. Why? You ready for this one? This is profound. For it is right. It is. I mean, it's right. Listen, you don't have to be a Christian to know that it is right for a child to obey a parent. In cultures that have nothing to do with Christianity, in cultures that are against Christianity, we still see that fundamental God-given truth. God's truth is true no matter if we recognize it as His or not. And it is right. It is right for children to obey their parents by nature. That's how God has made it. But it's more than that. Not just uh, because it is right, but for it is written. In God's word, when he repeats something, do you think it's important we listen? He repeats this eight times throughout Scripture. Eight times in the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. Children, obey. Children, obey. Children, obey. And listen, let's, let, let's, let's don't forget what God is doing here. He's not trying to rob you of life. He's trying to protect you, children. God has provided for you. And let's never forget each point of this. The gospel of Jesus Christ. Why do the children need to obey? Because God's own son obeyed. It was right. It was biblical. So children, obey your children for it is right. For it is, is written. It is an important And then a wonderful distinction, for it is in the Lord. It is right in the Lord. I thought about this passage and I said, Lord, in this first point, it sounds like this passage can begin, be preached in a local synagogue. 
I mean, really, we, they hold to the old covenant. They know the truth of, of God's children. Uh, they know that children are to obey. But this makes it very distinguishing for us as a Christian family. It says this, we are to obey. Children are to obey their parents in the Lord. Because of what Christ has done now, this has gospel significance. So let's unpack that a little bit. What does it mean to obey in the Lord? Well, the first thing is this. It means obeying God as long as God can bless it. Children, if you have a parent who is going to give you a command that contradicts God's word that contradicts God's character, you first and foremost have a responsibility to God. But you better make sure that you are not contradicting God. I remember being a youth minister and and having a student say, well, my parents won't let me come to youth group. You know what I tell them? Then honor your parents. They're over your home. Well, wait a minute, Jeff. Isn't this in the Lord? Can't we honor? Aren't I supposed to honor God first? It's got to be clearly, clearly against God's character, clearly against God's word. But each one of us ultimately is responsible to God and God alone. So when it says to us that we are to obey in the Lord, we must begin by saying, can God bless this? And we need to obey as if we're obeying Jesus. I mean, the reality is, is he has given us our authority, all authority. So when it says obey in the Lord, you know what that means, young people? This is kind of amazing. When it says obeying the Lord, it basically is saying it's like you're obeying Jesus. That's the story he wants to tell. And so when you obey in the Lord, it's as if Jesus has asked you to do that. And we need to respond to what he has established. We have a big brother, an amazing big brother that did all the things we failed to do. An amazing big brother who took our punishment that we deserved. His name is Jesus, do you know? And this Jesus is amazing because just Jesus is fully God and fully man. And this Jesus was born of a virgin named Mary. And he, although he created the world and he created the law, he put himself under the law. And do you know what the Gospel of Luke tells us about this God-man named Jesus? He obeyed. He obeyed his earthly parents. Isn't that awesome? God obeyed his earthly parents. I love it. I mean, you got to know there was times that they said, Jesus, can you go do this or do that? Or Jesus, he's like, oh, man, I'm God. And you guys are fallen. But what does he do? He obeys. What a great example. He obeyed his earthly parents. He also obeyed his heavenly father. And I think the beauty that we need to see of this picture is not only did Jesus obey his earthly father, he loved obeying his earthly father. He delighted in doing what his father had for him. He delighted in bringing pleasure upon the father. He delighted to do. And he says, listen, I've come. I'm not going to do anything except for the father shows me. I'm not going to do nothing apart from the father. And that's an incredible model for us because that what it means is for it is in the Lord. It should be a joy to us. Listen, there's something fundamentally wrong if following Jesus is not joyful because he is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. Following Jesus will fill us up. So it should be our, our duty. And really, ultimately, I've been trying
Johnny's hard-hit baseball validates their life. Somehow, Susie's high SAT score validates their life. Somehow, getting the lead in the play validates their life. Somehow, making a travel team validates their life. Somehow their identity is wrapped up in their kids' performance. Do you know how pathetic this is? This is where the society we live in, folks. Do you know how much pressure we're putting on our kids? And if we're Christians and we've been set free by the grace of God, we should celebrate where our kids are. With the gifts and abilities they have, and you ready for this? With the gifts and abilities they don't. We live in a society that sometimes is so focused on our kids' performances. It's idolatry, ladies and gentlemen. Don't provoke your children to anger. Next point, Christian education is not optional. Christian education is not optional. Christian schooling is. But why risk it? Truthfully, Christian education begins in the home. Fathers, mothers, the admonition, the nurturing, the nourishing, the nurturing, the disciplining, the leading them up to the Lord. Listen, it's not an option. Christian education, Christian families is not an option. And it begins with you. You are the primary educators of your children. It's you. Deuteronomy 6 makes it extremely clear. Deuteronomy 11 and throughout Scripture, it is our responsibility as parents to press upon our children the truths of the Gospel. When we're sitting down, when we're standing up, when we're lying down, we talk about Jesus, we pray to Jesus, we love Jesus. That is our role, is to train our kids to know and love God. And that's why this church is so crazy about children's ministry. That's why we have Orangewood Christian School to come alongside you because we want to say everything that we want to teach you, we want to point you to the preeminence of Christ. This is our God's world. We want to teach you math in a way that makes you say, wow, is our God a God of order? We want to teach you about biology and say, wow, is our God amazing? A Christ-centered education is not an option for Christians. Christian schools can be. And I know many of you are doing a great job at homeschooling. Many in public school. Many at different Christian schools. The bottom line is, the truth is, it's not an option. We've got to be raising up the next generation of warriors. You think the Muslims are? That's why we have our children's ministry we do. That's why we have our student ministry that we do. That's why so much of our tithes and offerings goes to our young people because we believe that God's Bible has a children's menu. That's why we believe in a covenant God and their children. Lastly, some practical tips. A potpourri of practical parenting tips. No extra charge. First one is this. Don't be afraid to parent. I see it oftentimes. Don't be afraid to parent. Enter in. Listen to this. 
Your children can have other role models. Your children can have other friends. They will. They only have one parent. Be their parent. Set boundaries lovingly. Guide them. Lead them. Pray with them. Pray for them. Be their parent. I've seen it. We sometimes try to be their friends. It doesn't work. Yes, we love them. And later in life, it's cool as the relationship changes. But be their parent. Proverbs 13, 24. Model Christ to your children and they'll follow it. Proverbs 22, 6. Train a child up in the way he shall go. And when he's old, he will not depart from it. Listen, the best way to train your child to follow Christ, guess what? How is it? What's the best way to train your child to follow Christ? Follow him. (laughs) Imitate him. Love him. May Jesus be the center of your life. And guess what? Your children will notice. Parents, third thing, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Scripture says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. How many of us have watched a poor young man or young mom or dad trying to coax their child into obeying? Stop that. Don't do that. If you do that again, you're going to have this happen to you. They do it. They don't happen. Don't do this again. Don't have that happen to you. It doesn't happen. I mean, be smart if... Give some latitude, but I, I, our yes has to be yes and our no has to be no. And I see children want to push it, and we continually change, and we don't put our foot down. May your yes be yes and your no be no, 2 Corinthians 1.17. This is a big one. Don't let society set your values. We're in the world, but not of it. Man, oh man, oh man, this sermon right here, I could just spend about six weeks on this puppy and I'm not. But are we chasing the world's values? Are we trying to keep up with the Joneses? Are we letting them set our family values? I know it's hard. I know it is. Listen, I know my kids are athletic. They're in the same clubs, the same sports. Uh, you know, there, there's a lot that the, the crowd's in. Are we putting our foot down and saying, no, I'm going to have my values shaped by God and His Word and prayer. I'm not just going to chase what my neighbors are doing. And lastly, is Jesus the most important person in your home? Seek ye first the kingdom of God. One of the great joys in my life being a dad is when someone says, you're a Jake's. I don't know, it's because they're so dashingly good looking. I don't know if it's the way they're acting, and that could go one of two ways. You're clearly a Jake's. Go to detention. But what a joy it is as a dad to be able to have my kids be seen as connected to me. That's how the Father feels about you. That's how God the Father feels about you to see you have the aroma of Christ, to see you reflect who he is, the way he acts, to say, that's obviously a Christian. Because they smell like Jesus. And they act like Jesus. And they are trying to obey the Father. Are you in the family picture? Listen, it's not about, it's, it's not about earning your way into the family. By God's grace, you're in or you're not. I mean, the only way you're in the family is you embrace Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Are you in the family picture? 
So the the message is one of two things. If you're a Christian, reflect family values. And if you're not, for goodness sakes, get in the family picture. We're not complete without you. An amazing grace of God that says if we accept His Son as our Lord and Savior, guess what we're in? Man, is that amazing grace. That gives us incredible reason to pray and to, to sing. Let us pray. Father God, Thank you for speaking directly to our children because you love them. Jesus said, don't keep the children away from me. Let them come. I love them. Let me bless them. Father, give us as parents godly wisdom to raise them so they'll know and love you. Father, I pray that you take all that you have taught us today. God, may there be a nugget or two that we just go home and, and just try to work on. But more than anything, God, more than anything, may this message not be one that brings guilt. May this bring hope because you love us and it's by God's grace that we're yours and we're set free. Thank you for loving us this way. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing.